The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Astrology reveals insights into the greater world, its changing cycles and universal forces. Through the lens of astrology, we examine special topics and current events, investigate their meaning, and discuss solutions to personal and global problems. Welcome to Astrology, the theory of everything, with Mary Jo Weavers and Janie McCarthy. We are here to show you how astrology can be a powerful tool for self-awareness and transformation. You'll be amazed how everything is interconnected when using astrology. Now, here are your hosts, Mary Jo and Janie. Welcome to all you astrologers and astrology enthusiasts around the world. I'm Janie McCarthy, and I'm here today with three panel members of, they are internationally renowned astrologers who will be discussing our profession and most particularly the future of astrology with us today. First, I'd like to welcome our returning guest, Jessica Adams, a sun sign astrologer, contributing editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine in England, the Australian Women's Weekly in Melbourne, Australia, and her series, Handbag Horoscopes, published worldwide. She also used to write for Fashion Astrology column for Bloomingdale's in New York. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Janie. How are you? Wonderful. So glad you could join us today. Next is Joanne Madeline Moore, and she's been a professional sun sign astrologer and writer since 1994 and has written daily, weekly, and yearly horoscopes syndicated in over 30 newspapers and magazines in Canada, the United Kingdom, Asia, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, and the South Pacific. Her weekly, monthly, and yearly horoscopes are also available online in English and Indonesia at bohoastro.com. Joanne, it's so good to have you with us as well today. Thank you, Jenny. It's wonderful to be here. Excellent. And lastly, but not least, Victor Oliver. He is the editor of the Astrological Journal published by the Astrological Association in the UK since 1959 and the astrologer columnist of the Lady Society magazine, and he was appointed its first stargazer in its 125-year history in 2011. His first issue of Journal in early 2015 triggered a national media storm in response to his interview with the astrology-supporting Member of Parliament, David Tredenick. Welcome to you, Victor. Hello there, Janie. Excellent. So, thanks to many of our listeners who contributed questions for our esteemed guests to respond to today. So, let's begin. I'd like to start by asking each one of you in turn. We'll start with Jessica, then Joanne, and then Victor. And the question is, do you believe astrology will become more or less popular in the next few decades, and why? Jessica? I, I think that we're going to see when Neptune goes into Aries, obviously we have Uranus in Aries at the moment, but when Neptune goes into Aries, which is the sign of self-knowledge and image and personality projection, the current excitement that people feel about their personal horoscope will turn into a kind of fascination. So eventually we're going to get to a point where this preoccupation with oneself, one's name, one's image, who you are, will benefit astrology because astrology is the only way, really, that you can use the planets, the sky, to judge how you're seen and how you're here. And I think once Neptune goes into Aries, that will be completely compelling for people. Thank you. And Joanne, what are your thoughts, more or less popular in the next few decades? 
Well, I think astrology popularity always goes in cycles and that'll continue to happen. The, the thing I'm looking at is when Pluto goes into Aquarius, which is in 2023, in seven years. Um, then we have the uh, Pluto in the sign of astrology, um, which I think could lead to a great transformation in astrology, but I think it's a double-edged sword. I mean, I think we could see a lot of wonderful research unearthed that brings up a wealth of astrological knowledge that was previously lost or hidden or missed. You know, hidden secrets could come up, could come to light, uh, plus people looking at astrology in a much more deep and vast way. I mean, at the moment, astrology is popular but in quite a superficial way. It's very linked to uh, fashion and to perfumes and to what people are reading. Um, I also think once uh, Pluto goes into Aquarius, there could be much greater link between astrology and psychology, um, more, more blending between astrologers and psychologists, which would be a really good thing. Um, but I think there's also the flip side. I think when Pluto goes into Aquarius, we could experience also an enormous hostility or resistance towards astrology from some quarters, uh, maybe especially from things like fundamentalist religions. So, you know, it's always going to be ebbs and flows. There's always going to be positives and negatives. Um, but that's what I see with Pluto going into Aquarius. Thank you. Victor, you were good enough to pass along a very thought-provoking article by Bernard Eccles, and it was entitled 21st Century Astrology, Judgment Without Consideration. Mr. Eccles delivered this talk in November of last year at the first London conference of the Sophia Center. He reviewed the history and the potential future of astrology in which he challenges us all. I'm quoting him. The onus must fall on the present astrological community, those who have worked with astrology for many years. The consultant astrologers of the late 20th century are aging. They should look not for new clients, but for apprentices before it's too late. Victor, do you agree with his concern regarding astrology's possible extinction prior to 2050 that he also references in this article? The short answer is no. Um, I speak bluntly. Um, I think all his concerns are legitimate, but I don't ever see astrology being extinct. It's been with us for thousands of years. And I can assure you, as um, the British philosopher Martin Cohen recently said to me, astrology is going to outlive um, contemporary science. And he's not even an astrologer. He's just basing that on our experience as a, as a species, really. Um, I can only say to you as an editor that um, I see colleges for astrology springing up all over the place. So I see no problem whatsoever in our finding more astrology. Schools are filling up very nicely. It's a growing business. I am so glad to hear that. I quite honestly and maybe naively never contemplated astrology becoming extinct I, I can't imagine what an enormous loss that would be for the world it's a great line though isn't it yes it certainly <laughs> is it caught my eye <laughs> um, we, we had a um, contributor from San Francisco California an astrologer by the name of Liam Casey and she asked, what does the current astrology say about the synchronicity of our times to further help popularize it? And we've already touched a little bit on uh, Uranus in Aries and uh, Neptune going into Aries in 2025 and also Pluto going into Aquarius in 2023. Um, Victor, did you have anything you might want to add? And then I'll ask the same of Joanne and Jessica if they want to add anything further. I would only, the one, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction of 2020 is interesting me because this will be in air, it'll be in the early minutes of Aquarius. And I think this is a lovely prelude to the Pluto's ingress of Aquarius a little later, 2023-24. But the Jupiter-Saturn um, conjunction in Aquarius, I think, marks a starting point for greater rigor, but also of sp expansion, spreading out a greater awareness of possibilities and ideas, and a more a greater focus, I think, on 
our identity within the cosmos, not just in little local areas. And in science, what you find is an obsession with specialisms. But I think the nature of Aquarius is to break through things and to expand and connect different things, to find connections. And if you think about it, Aquarius, the the sign of the skies, is really all about those connections. So for me, that that is the, the starting point for something rather big for astrology. And Joanne, did you want to say anything about either Uranus, Neptune, or Pluto and their incoming transits uh, into the 2025, 2032 timeframes that would possibly impact the popularity of astrology? Well, the thing I would like to look at at the moment, I'm I'm very happy to hear Victor say that um, that may bring in a time of greater rigour. Because the thing that really worries me at the moment is we've got the Saturn-Neptune square uh, last year and this year. Mm. And that's, I'm finding that very problematic. I think we are living in a world at the moment where it is very difficult to decipher what is real and what is fake. And you see this all over the internet at the moment. Um, You know, facts aren't checked, photos are photoshopped, sources aren't verified. Uh, social media fan numbers are faked, you know, influential bloggers can be frauds. I think it's very difficult for people at the moment, and particularly young people, to work out what is real and what is fake. And I think what we need to do in astrology is very much stick to the facts, stick to the basics. I think uh, sun sign astrologers really need to Uh, include in their columns how they get the information they get. You know, we're not just pulling these things out of our head. I'm very much one for using astrological so-called jargon, for using astrological language in my columns. And I think we need to do that as a base to then move forward into the future. That's how I see it. Thank you. And Jessica, did you have more to add um, only that I agree about the, uh, both those comments about the Aquarius patterns and one of the reasons that astrology has been building in popularity are that so many people came to it when we had those Uranus and Neptune transits through Aquarius um, and also this issue about what's fake and what's real. As Joe was saying, one of the great things about astrology is it does give you objectivity. It's like somebody holding up a mirror. You know, it's incredibly useful. But yes, we do need to explain to the readers how we get the predictions that we're getting. Thank you. The next uh, series of questions have to do with what role astrologers are playing in the potential diminishing of the growth of our profession, whether that be consciously or unconsciously. So, Victor, uh, I want to start with you and Joanne looking at this from a more conscious perspective. First of all, Victor, do you believe that the use of esoteric astrological language and the psychological terminology are barriers to expanding the public's understanding and use of astrology? I would broaden it to say that that's a problem in all areas, whether you're talking about psychology, whether you're talking about physics. There's always at the core, the hardcore practitioner who has a language. Uh, We can speak amongst ourselves about certain aspects. We could get really deep and start talking about synodic cycles. And we we know that we're going to lose most of our audience if we do that, if they're non-astrological. So there's always got to be an interface. There's always got to be a presentation to the public which will simplify, use simple language, uh, digest ideas. We have to learn to digest. So as much as I agree with Joanne in some particulars about sourcing what we say and all the rest of it, if we forget that we're speaking to a public that listens to us for a few minutes, maybe for a few seconds, we need to understand how the media works and how people digest information, what attracts them. It's a very competitive world. We're competing with millions and millions of other ideas and stimuli. So, you know, if we get too esoteric, let's keep it to ourselves. (laughs) And Joanne, is the Astrologer Collective missing opportunities to bridge the gaps between sun sign astrologers and the full astrological menu? Well, I think some astrologers are. I mean, I I certainly agree with Victor that it's a very fine line between um, 
using astrological language, but using it in a very user-friendly way. Um, for example, in my columns, I'll talk about things, just basic things like, you know, new moons and full moons, eclipses, retrogrades. I mean, keeping it very simple, but so that people understand, as I say, we're not just pulling these ideas out of our heads, you know, it's based on something. And I was reading a bit of um, some interviews with Bernard Eccles after um, that article that you were talking about, and he says, um, astrology is always valid no matter how simple you make it. And I think that's really important. Astrology is a language, and it doesn't matter if you're working with a limited vocabulary. It's still a very complex area. And even if people only understand things in a very simple way, they are still they are still understanding a lot. You know, there is a lot that we can give them in uh, sort of snappy, bite-sized pieces. So I agree. It's a very fine line between the two. Thank you. And Jessica, do you think it's possible that we as astrologers, any of us as astrologers, harbor any distrust concerning our prior life use of these gifts and whether or not we were all trustworthy and reputable representatives of this occupation? It is, um, it's a moot point because when Sunshine Astrology came in in the 30s, there was a very strong Neptune pattern surrounding the first column that appeared in the mm-hmm. Express. So there is always this Neptunian feeling around sun sign columns, partly because um, some very big name astrologers have used ghost writers in the past. So the columnist you think you're reading is not the columnist that you're reading. But the other issue is the cusp um, question, because so many people who don't know that an astrological chart is based on time, place and date of birth may even be reading the wrong sun sign. So there is a little bit of a Neptunian fog around that particular part of astrology. But the other thing, the trust issue, I guess, comes down to um, things like woolly language, um, an unwillingness to make predictions, um, an unwillingness to be specific and clear in what you're saying as an astrologer. In other words, an unwillingness to put your head on the line, you know. And so I think for some of the people that I've met who read Sunshine Collins, there's a kind of uncertainty. Are they getting what they think they're getting? Is the astrologer really doing astrology and so on? Thanks. Victor, astrology is an Aquarian profession, yet astrologers primarily practice as sole practitioners. When the Aquarian practice model would suggest working together in like-minded partnerships or groups, Mm -hmm. is this energetic incongruence in archetypal symbolism and work practice, possibly working behind the scenes as a barrier to further popularizing astrology? Well, God, that's a big question. Um, (laughs) um, All I can say is this, that it's about communication, and you can communicate as a group or as an individual. And I don't see a disconnect between the two. Um, If you're going to professionalize astrology, then you have to form groups. I mean, we know this in Breton. We've got the Association of Professional Astrologers International, and that takes in people with diplomas and so forth. But when you speak to individuals, each has their own practice and their own ideas. So you go into a micro world, and each person is communicating with their clients, um, and yet they're part of a group. So I think it's very Aquarian, this. You know, you are a unit in a group. You're working within yourself and within the group. So I don't see a disconnect here. Jessica, uh, what are your thoughts? I think the, the group emphasis is very important for astrology because so much of astrology is split into tribes anyway. So we have the solar chart, sun sign tribe. We have the psychological astrology tribe. We have the Vedic tribe mm. and on it goes. Um, so we need this kind of community around each kind of astrology to build and cultivate it, to bring the standards up, to bring, to bring the professionalism up. And that's why, in a way, we were starting off by talking about the future of astrology. There is this natural breach between those Aquarius transits that so many people went through when they got into astrology and the fact that, as Joe said, Pluto's going into Aquarius in the near future. So this whole notion of tribes and communities um, building their art together, their particular kind of astrology, is really important. Thank you. 
Joanne, anything to add? I, I would completely agree with what Jessica and Victor have both said. Again, I think it's a matter of balance. I mean, it's that Aquarian thing of Aquarians love to be um, individuals, but they also like to be part of a group, but it has to yeah. be the kind of group that they want to belong to. So yeah. it's a matter of balance, and I think... When you're an astrologer, it is basically a very solitary profession. I mean, if you're writing columns, if you're consulting with clients, it's one-on-one. But it's it's then wonderful, I think, to connect up with other astrologers, to network with them, to talk with them. It's really essential, I find, for me to balance all that time I'm spending on my own writing and in my head. And I find it's just a necessity. So, again, it's a balance between the two. And I think, you know, you can't really have one without the other. Thank you, Joanne. Victor, on to another question. Um, if astrology were to truly become mainstream, is it possible we might unconsciously have concerns about how this potent, divinely encrypted information would be utilized by the masses or bad actors on the globe? When you say bad actors, do you mean terrorists? Oh, terrorists. You know, all information is power. It's a cliche, but it's true. And I think it was um, Dennis Elwell, the late Dennis Elwell, who wrote The Cosmic Loom, who said astrology is dangerous because it gives us tremendous insights into other people. Mm -hmm. And astrology, as I think Joanne just said, um, uh, or maybe Jessica said, it's an Aquarian thing. It's objective in its application. Um, I actually disagree with people who say that it's, essentially moral. It isn't. It can be used for all sorts of purposes. And it's rather like um, Einstein, probably a very, very good man, but he created, um, ultimately, the nuclear weapon. Um, So, although I don't want to dramatize this, but really, it, it starts with the individual, and it's rather like if you have a gift for writing, you can write propaganda, you can write great literature, you can be a copywriter, But what you do with that power is up to you as an individual. And I think, to be honest with you, astrology is as perilous to us as is psychology. Hmm. (laughs) It's very interesting. Um, Who have I missed here? Jessica? That is interesting about Dennis Elwell. And if anybody listening hasn't read The Cosmic Loom, it's a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. I think that really astrology is a way of cutting through all the public relations and all the spin from politicians to empower the public, to empower people to understand what might really be going on. And I was thinking then that if people had known what Pluto and Cancer meant after 1930 when Pluto was discovered, they might have had super awareness of the rise of nationalism and the danger of intense patriotism. And that may have changed a little bit or a lot the course of the war. But, of course, they didn't. Pluto was very new. And astrology wasn't being given that kind of access to the public. But sometimes just watching Pluto cycles can enlighten people as to what the real subtext might be behind what they're being told. And I think that's really empowering and it's really important. Great. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Well, yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll pipe in here. Um, the Thank whole you, idea, <laughs> The whole idea about astrology being mainstream, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, I mean, I think we have to face the inconvenient truth that most people will not take astrology past reading their horoscope. Now, when I say most people, look, you know, is it over 50% or over 60%? I don't know. But all I know is from people I talk to, from clients I have, I have clients who love astrology, who come back and see me every year, but they will never take it any further themselves. I mean, people are busy. There's a lot on their plates. Lives are full. Most people will not go into astrology in a vast, deep way. And I think we just have to face that. They're happy to read their horoscopes, to know a little bit about it, to help them in their lives. But I don't think it's ever going to go mainstream. It can be more popular, but I don't think, you know, everyone's going to be running around reading, you know, in-depth astrology books every day of the week. That's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Can I just say something, though? Uh, Please. Just very quickly. I totally agree with what Joanne's saying, but we mustn't be too hard on ourselves as astrologers. After all, how many physicists are there in the world? 
I mean, um, we, ha we have a, a, a wonderful physicist in this country called Brian Cox, who's forever saying astrology is rubbish. And people haven't got a clue what he's talking about. But he has this wonderful way of communicating. And so I think astrology will actually become part of people's lives in a very interactive way the more technology develops. So I tell you what Joanne's saying, that they won't be reading Dennis Elwell or, um, shall we say, Manilius of ancient Rome. But nonetheless, they will take the digestive form of astrology. Wonderful. Well, I didn't put you up to it, but we're going to get into that portion of the conversation, too, where technology and telecommunications and multimedia platforms can take astrology. So we'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll be continuing our conversation with Jessica Adams, Joanne Madeline Moore, and Victor Oliver. So don't go away. Be right back. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Janie McCarthy loves being a professional astrologer. Her academic pursuits in consciousness exploration, negotiations, and relationship transformation have been critical to helping her clients integrate their material and spiritual worlds. She is known for her ability to simplify and articulate even the most complex concepts to trigger aha moments of pure, meaningful, and lasting clarity. Janie is available for booking presentations, workshops, and client consultations and can be contacted at JanieMcCarthy.com. Mary Jo Weavers is a licensed spiritual health coach specializing in soul personality integration. A certified karmic astrologer, Mary Jo uses the symbolic language of astrology to help her clients understand themselves and their life experiences from a deeper spiritual perspective. Mary Jo can help you gain clarity about your life purpose, relationship dynamics, and how to live your life more effectively. She is available for astrological consultations in person, by phone, and Skype. Check out our website at MaryJoWeavers.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Astrology, the Theory of Everything. To reach the hosts or the guests today, you may send an email to AstroTalkRadio at iCloud.com or find us on Facebook at AstroTalkRadio. You can email Janie McCarthy through her website, JanieMcCarthy.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. This is Janie McCarthy, your host, and I'm here talking with my three guests. Jessica Adams, Joanne Madeline Moore, and Victor Oliver about the future of astrology. I want to tell you a little bit more about our accomplished guests. Jessica has a website, uh, jessicaadams.com. It draws a million unique visitors every year. She's also a prolific writer. Essential Astrology for Women is one of her books, 2020 Vision, Astro Love, and an ebook, 200 Astrology Secrets. And she's currently working on a series of books about the asteroids, which I can't wait to get into. And she's a team editor on the Girls' Night In and the Kids' Night In, which raised two and a half million dollars for War Child. It's a charity which protects children living in the world's most dangerous war zones. Bless you for that, Jessica. Thank you. And Joanne Madeline Moore, she spent, the, what a traveler you are, dear. You spent your teenage years working as an actress in Australian film, television, and theater. Then you studied macrobiotics and shiatsu in London, meditated at Stonehenge, explored the medinas of Marrakesh, lived with gypsy poets in the caves above Granada, Spain, and was blessed by a Balian priest during a lunar eclipse in Indonesia. I would say you have really touched the heavens in so many ways. 
And yeah, no, I had a wonderful time, yes. <laughs> it surely sounds it. And Victor. Victor was originally a barrister who then moved into journalism and now is an astrologer, author, and editor of the UK's Astrological Association's Astrological Journal. He has a distinction diploma in natal and mundane astrology from the Mayo School of Astrology in London. He's the author of the annual Life Surfing Forecasting book. And he has a clientele he refers to as small, we'll find out about that, of business, theatrical, and political figures. And he specializes in Western tropical methodologies, firmly holding and upholding astrology's traditional role of forecasting and event analysis. So, Victor, let's get into this um, business consulting area. There's a great deal of interest. I got quite a few questions from our listening public. So I'd like to ask you, our first show's guest, the metaphysicist Dr. Laurel Carl questions, and I'm quoting, What do your experts recommend for mainstream businesses to incorporate astrological knowledge into their companies and communicate it with people who think astrology is just fluff? What do you think, Victor? I love your questions, Janie. Um, (laughs) um, You know, what I would say to a company that wishes to use astrology in their business is, first of all, to book themselves a great astrologer to talk to them. And I'll give you your phone number, my phone number afterwards. So what I'm saying is that um, it's, again, information. And um, there are many websites on the Internet today giving business advice, many astrologers that give consulting, consultancy advice to businesses and businessmen. There are also financial websites as well. But to a business, what I would say is invite one of the leading astrologers there are plenty of them around. Google them, contact the professional astrology websites, whatever, and get a spokesman for astrology to come and talk to your people. And I would predict, as a non-astrologer in this instance, within about half an hour, about half of them will dispense with their prejudices against astrology. So that's how could they turn you down? Well, how could they? And how Absolutely. Dare, especially when they see my fee. Um, you know. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> but um, you see, I, the, the clue here, just to give you one small thing, you can always easily relate business cycles to synodic cycles. It's the simplest thing to do. And it is amazing. There's a astrologer called Christine Skinner, for instance, who specializes in this sort of thing. I could say I'm a bit of a specialist too, but I think Christine Skinner, and there are others, I'm sure you could name them, who are brilliant in their field. And the the match between business cycles, when banks go and when businesses thrive and so forth, it's astonishing. And you've also touched into the political realm with the um, gentleman I mentioned earlier. Yes, David Tridinick. Thank you. So what's the role of astrology and I'm asking you and uh, also Joanne to jump in if she would care to and Jessica, what's the role of astrology beyond businesses but also in governments, particularly trying to get governments to work more fluidly with each other? Well, it happens already in India. Um, I've been covering the conference there in Kolkata and it's amazing. You know, uh, judges turn up, politicians turn up. There's easy conversation between two. The politicians know as much about astrology as the astrologers, and vice versa, astrologers of politicians. Um, In my particular practice, it's fascinating how politicians want to understand the context of their world. And often I will use the cycles, the, the outer planets, to give them some context. So now you might say, some people might say, is this anti democratic? Is this cheating in some way? I don't think so. I think it's just acquiring knowledge. It's no more cheating than going to a pollster. And everybody has access if they choose to contact a capable, competent astrologer. Exactly. Joanne, um, have you have you worked with businesses or government representatives doing your astrology? 
I've certainly worked with businesses, and I mean, astrology has so much to offer businesses, particularly, I think, for them to um, be able to work with each other better, like within a corporation, to understand personalities and which people fit into which positions and all that sort of thing, but also for timing. I mean, that's basically what astrology is so good for is timing. There's certain times, obviously, when it's good to do things and not good to do things, and that's wonderful for business. When it comes to politics... Oh, for goodness sake, I wish more politicians used astrology. You know, you see them do all sorts of silly things like, you know, announce budgets when Mercury's retrograde and all sorts of things. But, of course, one of the main examples of, of um, astrology and politics was with your own Ronald Reagan and with, of course, Joan Quigley. And I've always been very interested in Joan Quigley because she's born on the same day as me. Mm. <laughs> so, so, obviously, she was a little older than me, but... Um, Look, you know, I think every politician, you know, if they want to stay in the game and do well, needs to have an astrologer. But, of course, some will not be convinced. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Jessica, uh, what about any business clients that you've had? What are your insights? Business clients tend to respond well when you talk about generations being born with Pluto or Uranus, the outer planets, and a particular sign because they can see the evidence right there. So when I've had business clients in the past, I've talked about all the 60s babies who, of course, are now in their 50s who've grown up with Uranus and Pluto in Virgo. And, of course, Virgo is the sign that rules the body. So this is the generation who popularised mineral water sales and who would have thought that you could sell water, you know, before this generation grew up and started buying it? But whoever invested in Perrier or Evian made a fortune. And this is the generation who wear gym gear on the street. So they wear baseball caps and trainers and tracksuits, the kind of clothes that only professional athletes would have worn before the 60s babies grew up. So just talking in general terms like that to business people who don't know about astrology, they can see it working and they become very interested in the demographics of particular generations. Yes, isn't that the case? So um, in order to make astrology more accessible to a wider audience, are there currently underutilized or more advantageous multimedia distribution channels, telecom or technology platforms that astrologers should be considering. Victor, do you think we will see more astrologers partnering with technologers since Aquarians, uh, they are both Aquarians, astrologers and technicians, uh, technologists, to create Games, maybe PlayStation games or working on virtual reality applications to learn through the act of playing and being entertained instead of simply studying astrology. If I were you, Janie, I would, I would get that idea patented because you've just put out a fantastic idea there, you see. And of course, astrologers are going to go with, with whatever's there. They're already doing it. You go on YouTube, you've got videos galore. Um, I'm talking at the moment with the Astrological Journal bringing out the digital version, the digital electronic version of the magazine. I'll tell you one thing that's missing in the world, and that's more astrology magazines. That's what we really need. I mean, uh, two or three years ago, we lost two magazines in one season. One might say that was slightly astrological. Um, You know, so I think that uh, in the Aquarian age, we'll see a greater sophistication of communication. Technology would enable us to deliver the information to people in a, in a time-relevant, digestible way. Um, it's actually terribly exciting. I just wish I was born a bit later so I could see it longer. Hmm. Um, Jessica, you have a phone app. Tell us about it and hmm. the response you receive from users. So the app was really the idea of a website called Get the Gloss, which is based in London, and they dreamed it up, and I said, yes, okay. So I'm not particularly technical at all. I'm just really lucky to have people on the Internet who know the medium really well. And it's the same with other things like enhanced e-books, which I think will be the next step for astrologers and authors, almost like Harry Potter where the page comes alive with the moving image in between the text. I don't know anything about that. I can't even operate a microwave, but I'm very interested in using it as a channel for astrology. I have always envisioned, particularly in theatrical world, that once virtual reality 
gets into our theaters that will have holograms that could we could possibly even walk around the chart of a country to see what oh. it has to say to us. Mm. And Joanne, you've been in the theatrical world and you have Uranus at your midheaven and Jupiter on your ascendant. Could you envision TV or radio show programs or movies scripting characters to personify archetypal stories, much like soap operas, for instance, telling stories in sequential episodes? Our story could be telling the world about transits and what these archetypal actors are trying to share with the collective. Look, I think that would be wonderful. I mean, wouldn't that be a wonderful world? And I think it's over the horizon. Also, the thing that would link in so beautifully with that is the whole um, mythological realm that, you know, astrology is based on. So, um, you know, having the different archetypes, the different gods and goddesses, um, yeah, yeah, and also having like your own um, hologram, you know, coming up each day with your horoscope or whatever, explaining it all. I mean, I think it's all extremely exciting. And I think that with Pluto going into Aquarius in 2023, uh, that will just really take off even more. That's only seven years away. So in seven years, we could be looking at a completely different world than we are now, particularly regarding astrology, which is very exciting. That's what my hope is. So... Um, looking into the future and the role astrology will play in people's lives, um, let's um, let's see. Some statistics cite that up to fifty percent of the population might regularly read their horoscopes. I suppose that's why we see them so readily in newspapers, magazines, and websites, because there is a strong passive following, as a number of you have said, that people might read their horoscopes, but where's the action to contact an astrologer? So, my first question is to um, Joanne. Do you believe humans miss having a daily form of ritual in their lives and often find reading their horoscope to be the only time during the day when they get a chance to stop, pause, look within, and connect with a symbolic world? Absolutely. I mean, this is a really big thing of mine. I think that is why um, horoscope columns are so popular. And this brings us right back to Jung. And I want to just quote one of my favourite passages from um, Carl Jung. It's from his collected works. And it's when he talks about the symbolic life. Now, keep in mind, when he wrote this, this was, what, 60, 70 years ago. Things have got a lot worse since he wrote this. But he says... Uh, It's talking about people in the modern Western world. We have no symbolic life. Where do we live symbolically? Nowhere except where we participate in the ritual of life. But who among many are really participating in the ritual of life? He then says, only the symbolic life can express the need of the soul. Um, Life is too rational. There is no symbolic existence in which I am something else in which I am fulfilling my role as one of the actors in the divine drama of life. And I think that's what reading a horoscope does. It provides a daily ritual for someone, but it also connects them to something greater than themselves. I mean, it's unconscious most of the time. Most people would not realise it, but it connects them with something greater than themselves, with the greater cosmos. And I think that is very reassuring to people, aside from the information that they are getting in the horoscope. And so I think that daily ritual is incredibly important. I mean, I I think of a horoscope as being like a metaphysical mirror. You know, you get up in the morning, you look into your physical mirror, you know, you fix your hair, your makeup, your clothes, you're ready to go. And then a horoscope is a bit like um, a metaphysical mirror. You, you sort yourself out on the inside. You know, how am I feeling today? What are my confidence levels? How am I motivated? You get yourself ready to go on the inside. So I think that's why they're so important. It's more than just reading a horoscope. You know. Definitely. Jessica, um, could developing more innovative and particularly experiential teaching methods, such as engaging with the celestial cycles, be useful? relevant and more grounding than textbook knowledge and uh, methodologies of learning astrology. 
Yes, I mean, we have the technology to be fully interactive with our readers, so we need to really bring that on and maybe rethink the way that we do conferences as well. Conferences that I've been to at the moment or just seen advertised on the internet tend to be very small, very insular, very few people turn up. If you think about the um, audiences that somebody like Susan Miller has in New York, she has millions and millions of readers. Um, conferences should really be opened up globally. They should be multilingual if possible. They should be interactive. Lots of shoulds in there. Um, but the audience is there. They're telling us that on the internet. So I don't really understand why we're still sort of churning out these 1980s style of gatherings. Um, that would be my, my bet for something that could open up our profession to people. And also, I just bring the price down. I think people should be able to go into a conference and pay, you know, £10, $20, whatever, just for a session. I think that, transmitted globally, would be one of the biggest open doors for us. Mm-hmm. One of our um, former uh, Libra show guests, Dr. Judith Hart, she's an author, a psychotherapist, and astrologer. She said to me, um, she believes, and I'm quoting, if and when the global population were to gain in consciousness and depth, then too would astrology gain even greater respect and favor. Do you think the growth of astrology is linked with the consciousness movement? I'll ask Victor to to respond first. Without a question, because astrology by its nature causes you to reflect upon your life, upon the energies, for want of a better word, that are exerted. Um, It connects us to timeless knowledge. Um, astrology itself is pla- uh, rooted in, in uh, classical history and before that as well. Um, we speak of the new age, the age of Aquarius, which I'm in half of mind whether I believe all this, but the new age is definitely an umbrella term for this greater, this Aquarian greater connection with other people, the expansion, but also the deeper knowledge as well. And astrology is a measure of all this. It's interesting that astrology is widely ridiculed at a time when we could say that we are very selfish, we're very self-focused, that we're in an era of um, material specialisms, shall we say. It's almost as if we're waiting, having gone through the specialist or specialism stage of life, that we need to find the connections between subjects, find the bigger ideas. And I think astrology is somewhere up there providing those interconnecting ideas. Uh, Joanne, I've, I came across an article. It was published in the International Astrologer back in fall of 2000, and it was written by Joyce Hohen, H-O-E-N. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the name correctly. What they said is, this interest is how the human mind functions, and from there, in consciousness itself, is the center of astrology. Most people do admit that astrology made them more conscious of themselves. So becoming aware in the process of awakening all these Iranian processes are the plain and simple result of astrology. This element of becoming yourself, this element of finding your own unique qualities, all of this is one of the main gifts of astrology. Uranus is the planet of individuation, and astrology's purpose may well be individuation. What do you think about her summation? Well, I think it's very pertinent at the moment with Uranus in Aries. Um, as Victor was saying, we're in an age where, you know, it does seem to be people are more selfish, more self-focused. I mean, that's a lot linked in with Uranus in Aries. But I think it's all very well to become aware of yourself and more conscious and understand yourself better. But you've then got to do something with that. You know, which is, of course, the flip side of, of Aries is Libra. You know, is bringing that to other people, is learning to work with other people, is taking it out to the world. So, you know, my hope is that, yes, astrology is a wonderful way to understand yourself better. But for what purpose? I mean, you, you then need to, you know, take yourself and be creative in the world and do wonderful things in the world because you're being who you are. It's not just a matter of just understanding yourself. So, you know, that's where I, I hope astrology leads people, not just to being all within themselves. Yes. And uh, Jessica, uh, there's an, a, um, a woman who's studied astrologer in the Baltimore area. Her name is Sarah. What she said to me is, 
if the millennials are all about empowering themselves for life's challenges through learning, maybe the future of astrology is teaching millennials how to use the concepts for greater self-awareness and higher consciousness. Maybe it's a reframe of how the profession and astrologers themselves are perceived more as spiritual counselors and not so much as fortune tellers. Is this a particular group of people across the world that are ripe for hearing the messages of astrology? They are because they were all born with Pluto and Sagittarius, and Sagittarius rules belief and philosophy of all kinds, including astrology, of course, but also conventional religion as well. So this group of people who were born with Pluto and Sagittarius and now living through Saturn in Sagittarius and learning the hard truth about what religion can do. Um, and also, I think, dealing with the new cutting edge of quantum physics, which is challenging them to look at the whole nature of reality. Is the multiverse theory true? All that kind of stuff. So this group, maybe more than any other for about 248 years, is primed and ready to really go into belief systems like astrology and to look at the whole question of reality and how we construct reality Every time we make a conscious choice about what it's going to be, it becomes that. So if you're going to use astrology, shouldn't you also be looking at religion, perhaps, as the same sort of thing? These are the kinds of intense and quite controversial questions that I reckon this generation will be right on to. Hear, hear. I... I'm sorry to say I need to close the show, but I want to first thank Jessica Adams, Joanne Madeline Moore, and Victor Oliver for joining us today. I have very much enjoyed this conversation. I know our listeners have. And a special thanks to those that contributed questions for our guests. So find me on Facebook or link up on LinkedIn. And to all of you listening, may the stars really be with you. Thank you for being part of the show today. Please join Janie McCarthy and Mary Jo Weavers again next month for another edition of Astrology, the Theory of Everything. You can listen to all our shows on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. May the stars be with you. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.